You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from our guest speaker. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Lucas Vaughn, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at Christian Ministries, and I am so honored to uh, get to speak to you guys tonight about worship. So um, before we get into it, let's pray, and let's just, you know, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time tonight, Father. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are who we need you to be at all times, Father. That you are our our comfort. You are our strong um, foundation that we stand on. That you are the defender and the provider, Lord. We thank you and we offer everything that we have to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim came to me and he said, Lucas, I want you to speak on worship. That's not how he said it. He said, hey, are you ready to speak on Wednesday? <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, maybe not this Wednesday, but yeah. So it made me think, the word of the year this year is essential. And so I really thought about that. I was, I was thinking, so how do I tie in worship with being essential? So I looked up the, the definition of essential And it is absolutely necessary and extremely important. Well, that's it. Thanks for the time, guys. (laughs) Worship is what we're called to do. There is no Christian faith without worship. It is extremely necessary and important. So tonight I want to start by reading in 2 Chronicles 20.20. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Verse 21 says, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he anointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord, set, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Now, let's recap, because that was a lot of reading, for me anyways. Uh, this guy is in charge of an army, and he says, you know who I need is some worship leaders. Now, you probably can't tell from looking at me, but I have no military background, Okay. <laughs> Like none. But if I was in charge of picking who I'm going to bring into battle, some artsy kids playing guitars and singing are not going to be my first choice. (laughs) Verse 15 said, And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says to the Lord, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. If worship isn't an essential part of your life, you'll be fighting battles that you were never meant to be a part of. You will be fighting battles that belong to the Lord. And we will struggle and you'll struggle and you'll struggle. How do I do this? How do I do this? That battle's not yours. In Ephesians, we're told to put on the full armor of God and the only offensive weapon, the only offensive piece of that armor is the sword of the Spirit. Worship is one of the best ways to encounter the Spirit. The title of my message tonight is Offensive Worship. 
because I wanted to talk about offensive worship because I feel like a lot of times as Christians, if we're not careful, we only worship on the defense. We only worship whenever things aren't going our way. God, I need you to get me through this. I I don't know how I'm gonna make it through. When we worship, we have to stop standing in victimhood and start standing in victory. The battle does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with turning to God when you're struggling. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But what I'm saying is, if the only time you worship is when you need something, he's not your God, he's a genie. We, tr- we treat him like, hey, uh, oh, Lord, if you, if you save me from this, hallelujah, hallelujah, I will never sin again. And then when he takes us through whatever we're going through, then the next Sunday, it's kind of harder to get into worship because we're distracted. Maybe a wrong note was hit or maybe a, a lighting cue was missed. It's harder to press into worship whenever you don't have anything you're relying on. We can't have a transactional approach to the Lord. We have a transactional approach to the Lord. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And think about it. If, If you were in a relationship, how many in here are married? In a relationship or want to be in a relationship someday? It should be like everybody. If you have a transactional relationship, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. That will never work out. But we treat God that way. Lord, if you get me through tonight, if you, if you help me through this, I, you know, he deserves worship for what he's already done. He deserves our worship because he's already done, pay, he's already given us more than we could ever pay back. So the question is, what does true worship look like? What is worship? This is how I view worship. Worship is an act of true selflessness. It is not the music, it's not the time in the church service where we come and we raise our hands or we maybe don't make it to the first two songs because we gotta get that coffee from the coffee shop. (laughs) It's an act of selflessness. Worship should cost something. The story of Abraham is one of the first times in the Bible that we hear, that we see the word worship. Now, the story of Abraham, I'm sure most of us are familiar with, he is very old, And the Lord says, I'm going to give you a son. And he's like, how can this be? Me and my wife are both super mega old. (laughs) Paraphrasing maybe a tad. (laughs) And he says, trust me, I'm I'm going to make you a great nation. I am going to give you a son. And so what happens? God is faithful to his word. In verse 22, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, here I am. He replied, I thought that was so cool when I was doing this. How cool would it be if God said your name and you're like, oh, here I am. <laughs> that's, a, that's a close relationship. Verse two says, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son, Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God had uh, told him about. Now, the thing to keep in mind is Isaac is the symbol of God's faithfulness to Abraham. 
Obviously, he loves him as his son, but it's also, he represents God's word coming true. It represents a fulfilled promise in his life. Something he thought he'd never see, but because of God and through God, it happened. Verse four says, on the third day, Abraham looked, at, looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. It's important that we don't skip over that. It says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. I'm pretty sure elevation worship wasn't playing up there at the time. <laughs> he said this knowing full well that he was going to sacrifice his son. And that's what he says is worship. Worship is not about the music, it's about the heart. It's never been about the music. If, if you come into church and you say, man, the worship team was really on one today, the, worship, the, the Holy Spirit was flowing, you just, entered in, you just entered in that day. You chose to enter in. The Holy Spirit's always here. Where two or more are gathered in his name, you just decided not to be distracted. <laughs> Here's God will do more with an obedient heart than he ever will with a talented voice. He all through the scripture you see people that are called that that aren't qualified. Moses, but I can't speak. How am I supposed to deliver these people? Trust me, I'll do it. Say yes. Will you give God your yes in worship? That's all it's about. Will you give God your yes? Abraham was showing honor to God by having an obedient heart. Worship is a sacrifice. It's not about the music or the lights or the set that day. It's not about being seen or heard by the person next to you. And this is important because I remember as a young worship leader when I was in the youth group, and I'm going to be honest, when I learned guitar, it was just to pick up chicks. That's the only reason. That's the only reason I want to do it. And so in youth group, you can't just do guitar solos. You've got to be Mr. Spiritual, right? So like, I'd be like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Worship's not about you being seen by other people. It's about you being seen by the Father. Worship is about being seen by the Lord. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Worship is not a moment, it's a lifestyle. Worship is not a moment, it's a lifestyle. Your time in worship cannot just be on Sundays and Wednesdays. It, I, like I said in Romans, it says that we are supposed to be a living sacrifice, and that is true worship, true and proper worship. Worship is intimacy. Worship is intimacy. The most intimate moments need to be in private. It needs to be in private. That's the, important of, the importance of a secret place. You can't rely on me or Brandon or Jason to lead you into an intimate time with the Lord. You can't, it, it, it doesn't work like that. You have to have, if you want to have an intimate relationship, that is one-on-one -on -one time where you are vulnerable before each other. Worship is intimacy. The most intimate moments in, in life need to be private, but our worship lives need to be so passionate that it spills out. Brandon Lake, one of my favorite worship leaders, he says, when we withhold nothing from God, he withholds nothing from us. 
Worship is not a moment, it's a lifestyle. In Luke uh, 7, we see an example of pure worship. You know what? In, in, in your Bible, whenever it breaks it off into like sections, it'll say like a little title that sums up what it is. In Luke 7, verse, uh, starting in verse 36, it says, the title of it is Extravagant Worship. Afterward, a Jewish, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation, and when he went to Simon's house, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, and went right back to the home of the Jewish, Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened the flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. This woman came and gave everything she had. She did unspeakable things to get that thing. But that's all she had. This convicts me for every time I ever came into an auditorium and I couldn't get into worship because of the set. I couldn't get in because the music wasn't loud enough. I couldn't get in because I can't believe that person's on stage. She gave everything that she had. And this is an act of extravagant worship. Verse 39 of that says, when Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. My title of the message is not just offensive worship, but it's offensive worship. True worship will always offend a religious spirit. Every time. David danced before the Lord and people mocked him and they were disgusted with him. And his response was, yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humili- humiliated in my own eyes. But people were upset about that because true worship will always offend a religious spirit. This might be my most important point. You're up for it, get ready. <laughs> worship is not about you. This is, and I'll tell you what, that was hard for me to grasp for a long time. So if you, if you got that, just then bravo. <laughs> worship is not about you. Well, I don't like this song. It's too loud in here. Why, why, why is he on the stage? Do you know what he's, what he's done? If I can quote Pastor Tim. I love that I said, if I could quote Pastor Tim, and it kind of got a little tense. <laughs> and then a sigh of relief. <laughs> Worship is not about you. It's about your offering to the Lord. Don't ever come to worship wanting to be entertained. Come wanting to exalt Jesus. That, I spent a lot of time talking about what worship isn't and what it what it is, but I want to get like right into the nitty gritty and say, why we do this? Why do we raise our hands? Why do we kneel? Why do we sing, right? Some of the main things that we do in worship is we'll raise our hands or we'll pray or maybe we'll get on our knees or shout. 
And th- there's a reason why. And I think understanding the reason, behi- the reason why, if anything, is crucial. Because if you don't understand the reason why, you're just going through the motions. Even if you're not fully like, a, you're, 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 you're like, that's okay, I'm okay with that. If you don't understand why you're doing it, you're not truly doing it. Does that make sense? If you go through the motions because it's what everybody else does, your heart's not in it, and worship is solely about the heart. Uh, in First Samuel 16, where, where it's talking about how Samuel's going to anoint the next king. Saul's had his time, and he's going to anoint the next king. All of David's brothers pass before him, and he says, don't look on what the, what the world looks at, for the Lord looks on the heart. It's important that we know that we don't need to go through the motions to impress man because the Lord only looks at the heart. For many of us, the idea of singing out loud is probably super uncomfortable uh, because here's the deal. If you felt good about your singing voice, you'd probably want to get on the stage. (laughs) So this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to say, God, I'm okay with looking stupid. I'm okay because I'd rather impress you than than make someone next to me uncomfortable. I, I only care about this relationship right now. The worship is only caring about the vertical relationship. We need to say, God, I'm, I'd rather have a moment with you than stay in my comfort zone. Nobody has ever done anything of importance staying in their comfort zone. Anytime God's calling you to do something, it's to get out of your comfort zone. That's a first step. So let's start with worship. First Chronicles sixteen twenty three through 25 is to sing to the Lord all of the earth, not just the singers, not just the worship leaders. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So the next aspect of worship I want to talk about is lifting our hands. Why do we lift our hands? So this is how I like to explain it, right? So imagine that you're a bank teller and somebody comes in with a gun. It's the first thing you're going to do to show that you're not a threat. Hands up, right? Unless you're like John Bradshaw and he's like, ah, I gotcha. <laughs> I don't mess with that guy, that's all I know. I'm probably going to pay for that joke later. <laughs> you lift your hands. Because when we lift our hands, we, we, put, we show that we're in a posture of surrender. We, we show that we're, we don't have any agenda right now. Whatever you say goes. And so when we come into worship and we lift our hands, that's why we do it. We say, I don't have an agenda, Lord. Whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Wherever you call me, that's where I'll go. I'm not a threat to what you've called me to do. When we get on our knees, it's because we're in the presence of the King of Kings. And you bow before royalty. That's why. It's so funny, you know, talking about the religious spirit. How many times, and I've seen this in so many places, where someone will get on their knees and it's like a big deal. It's like, what are they doing? It's not about you. That, that's not for you. It's just for the King of Kings. When we draw near to the Holy Spirit in worship, we are declaring that God is giving, uh, that we are giving God honor is more important than our comfort zone. But what about when you don't feel like worshiping? Because let me tell you, that is tough, okay? That is, that's kind of tough is whenever you come in and you're like, man, I'm just in a fog, I'm in a funk, I can't really get into it today, right? 
And, and I, I just want to give a shout out real quick. Pastor Tim did an incredible two message series on feelings. And if you didn't listen to it, I'm requiring you to go. I don't know if I have that authority, but I'm requiring you to go listen to it. And it's all about how your feelings don't really matter. Sometimes you got to do things you don't feel like you want to do. And here's the, the black and white of it. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like getting on the cross. So we're not going to raise our hands and sing out because someone's next to us. Or we're not going to sing out. Or we're not going to pray or jump and look stupid before the Lord because how, it, how I feel about it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because what we're offering is just a hallelujah. That's all that we can offer. There's nothing I can do to the Lord to impress him other than give him my yes. Worship does not center on how you feel. It centers on your faith. Worship does not center around how you feel. It centers around your faith. At this point, I want to invite the band out. The story of Paul and Silas is one of my favorites that has to do with worship. Because we kind of get a picture of what happened before, what got them into a little bit of trouble, and what hap- how they got out of it, right? And it's all centered around worship. Paul and Silas were preaching the good word. They were doing what they were called to do. They were being who they were called to be. And they got arrested for it. They were arrested for being faithful to God's call. And when they were thrown into chains, their first response was to worship. See, a lot of us might read that story and we might say, you know, they, they were worshiping to get out of the chains. They were worshiping because God's faithful. They were worshiping because God's faithful. I think about the story of Joseph and how at a young age, God was speaking to him. He's giving him visions. He's giving him dreams. And he got thrown into a pit because he, I mean, he just was like, hey, look at the, what the Lord has done. Look at this. So he's thrown into a pit. So, I mean, if you look at the story of Joseph, you can say at that point, has God failed him? Of course not. Because without that, there's no story of Potiphar. He gets out of the pit and he goes to a captain, a high-ranking official in Egypt, Potiphar. And he's faithful to who God's called him to be because that's an act of true worship. And what happens is his, Potiphar's wife starts throw in some shade and says stuff that happened that didn't really happen and he actually says I've been given full reign over all of his affairs except you you're the only thing that I can't I'm not in charge of and so she says things it gets him in trouble he gets locked away has God failed Joseph yet no of course not but without the jail there is no Pharaoh We can't stop worshiping because we're in a funk. We can't not enter in because we don't feel like it. You have to give God your yes. You have to give God your heart. You have to give God a sacrifice. Worship should cost something. So tonight, I think it's only fitting that we end with a worship song. So if you guys will stand with me. I want to challenge you guys tonight. 
Don't let this be your standard Sunday morning, Wednesday. I'm coming, I'm punching a ticket, and I'm getting out of here. Worship. Let this be worship that costs you something. Let this be worship that you have to make a sacrifice for. Let this be a worship that you only care what the King of Kings says to you. I remember when I was uh, leading the youth band back in high school, like a long time ago, um, I remember jumping around and getting just kind of crazy and guys would make fun of me and I would get so mad because I'm like, you, you should be doing this. What, what do you mean? And if, if I could talk to myself back then, I'd say, you're performing for one person and he's glad that you're jumping around. He's glad that you look like a fool because you're saying, I don't care what other people think of me. I just care what you think of me. This is my offering. This is what I bring to you. So tonight, we're going to just enter into a little time of worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you say you are. We thank you for the hills and the valley seasons, Father, that you are faithful in both. We thank you that you are the one that's deserving of our, of our praise and of our worship, Father. Thank you that you are consistent through the end, Father that you saw us on the cross you looked at the cross and you saw us and even though you didn't feel like it you sacrificed yourself so tonight Lord we we just offer up our worship as a pleasing sacrifice to you if we accomplish one thing and it's just to make you smile then we've done it we love you Jesus name everybody said You have been listening to the CMC podcast For more information about CMC our different conferences Christian school college internship resources and more go to cmchurch.com 